Hello and welcome to this very special edition of Reading People. I'm Megan Lane and myself, Meg and Anna went behind the scenes at the Hay Festival of Literature in Hay on Wye and recorded from a very windswept tent. We were very lucky to speak to TV presenter Kate Humble. You may know her from wildlife and science programmes such as Springwatch, but she's done a whole variety of programmes over the years. Roll the interview! Thank you very much for joining us. It's lovely to be here. Thank you very much. So you're at Hay talking about your book, Making yes. on My Feet. Yes. Um, which is a year's diary of your walks and your impressions, thoughts and feelings. You've campaigned for getting walking into the curriculum before and to get children walking. Have you seen any progress on that in Keeping Outdoors? Not enough, really. Um, I have, I mean, it's it's more uh, what, 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 I think um, would really help the kind of general education system is that more there was more teaching outdoors. And um, I know that there are great initiatives like forest schools, um, but actually there's no reason why people can't be taught anything outdoors. I don't know about you, but um, you know, when I was at school, uh, I found being kind of contained within four walls just not a brilliant way of learning it's quite stultifying you get bored um you know your brain starts to shut down you look at the clock quite a lot and go really is only five minutes gone and um and and yet when you put people outside in an outside environment um you see that they're instantly more engaged and 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 more kind of receptive to things and um i did an outdoor learning conference a couple of years ago and um and you know it was to teachers who uh said you know I was kind of preaching to the converted they desperately wanted to do it but the Department of Education and Ofsted were kind of quite resistant to the idea but before I went to that conference I did a little bit of research and I was looking into um, you know whether there had been any studies that kind of backed up my completely homespun theory that being outside kind of made your brain work better and it turns out that actually there's a lot of very rigorous um, intellectual research that has been done on the connection between being outside, being in nature uh, learning particularly with with, um, creativity um, but also attention span, you know something that teachers really struggle with and um, similarly when I started writing Thinking on My Feet um, I I looked at again you know the benefits of walking and um, I find I mean I don't know whether you, any of you have this experience you know if you're writing an essay or uh, you've got to write a tricky email to somebody or someone's just really annoyed you and you need to send a text that sort of says it but not in a kind of petulant kind of way um, I find that if I go for a walk often that tricky first sentence or the oh I'm not quite sure what order or anything suddenly it kind of just Ooh, seems to like, slot it doesn't yeah, it yeah. It does, it's weird but it just sort of happens and um and you, you know, there's a there's a writer called Rebecca Solnit, um, and she said, you know, when you live in a very kind of productive-based society, so she's in America, you know, and everything in America is about how much you're getting done, you know, work, 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 work. It's all about the hours you work. And similarly, you know, we're adopting that more and more here. And she said, you know, 
you should never, it's, it's almost become a crime that you should be seen doing nothing. But the problem is that, you know, thinking isn't doing nothing, but it looks like you're doing nothing. So she said, I do lots of my thinking, walking, because walking is the kind of thing that you can do that looks like you're doing something, but you can think at the same time. So no one thinks you're being idle, <laughs> but actually you're achieving a lot. You're, you're getting a lot of those thought processes done. And these studies that I'd seen, um, that I read, uh, about the connection between walking and productivity and creativity, um, all showed that actually giving people, you know, taking people into an outside space, particularly a green one, it has to be said, you know, it works better when you've got trees around than if you've got buildings, because obviously a lot of your brain is slightly taken up with, am I going to get run over? So if you know you're not going to get run over, you know, you, you can, you can, exactly, you can think, you, you know, you're, the, the, that creative part of your brain kind of can click in more easily. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think it is one of the things that it seems to me that we've got all these studies, uh, whether it's directly connected with outdoor education or just with a general sense of well-being um, and creativity for ourselves as individuals, and yet we seem to be ignoring them. Yeah, that's good to hear. We trialled a, a walking seminar. Oh, did you? Uh, with the university yeah. actually yeah. going out and about in raw materials. So you were sort of exploring ideas for new materials? And we were literally kind of looking at around us and suggesting what materials might be made of, what it could be made of, and just being applying it in the outside environment, which was really helpful. But also just kind of getting up and out of the space we were working in. But it's really interesting knowing that there's actually academic research to pack it up, because one of our academics, Dave, he swears, because we do a lot of teamwork and creativity kind of work, that if you're stuck in a problem or you're getting frustrated with your teammates, it's like, just go for a walk yeah. for a couple yeah. of minutes and come back and you'll be so much more productive and everything will click into place. Well, it's, it's sort of like, I mean, you know, if you go to France and you try and do anything between 12 and 2, you can't. Oh, Everyone's having a proper lunch. <laughs> yeah. And when I say a proper lunch, oh, there's wine involved, you know. And yeah, France is endlessly more productive than we are in the UK because people do need a break during the day. They do need to get up off that awful chair that they've been sitting on for four hours or five hours and go and, you know, let their brain do something else. And and I think the, the kind of well-being aspect of being outside, which always sounds a bit kind of, you know, fluffy and, yeah, really, I mean, can you quantify well-being? But actually, luckily now, it is something that's being taken seriously and we all know that if we just feel better feel better about ourselves um, feel feel kind of generally happier again we're more productive we're more creative we get more things done and you know you interact with people better you feel like you're able to collaborate better because you've got something to offer whereas if you're feeling a bit down and a bit kind of unconfident you don't feel able to actually contribute to a group discussion like you've just described yeah. of going out and kind of coming up with ideas. Are you looking at biomimicry by any chance? Well, biomimicry, um, just very, and I, I don't know a great deal about it either, because it, but it's, it, it's simply, it is looking at nature and going, wow, 
that's a good idea. Can we recreate it synthetically? So, you know, it might be uh, the way that, um, a, you know, a spider's web is a, is a really good example. You know, that's incredibly strong. It's incredibly light. Can that... It can the the the, mole, the way those molecules are formed or put together can that be um, synthesised effectively? Definitely. So we, those are the sorts of things that you might look. I at. mean, they do kind of come into play. So we were working on material sprint recently, and occasionally when you got stuck, they were like, "Go out, look at what else is in other industries, but also in nature." Like that definitely exists as part of science and engineering, especially in like the pharmaceutical world. They'll often go out and try and find something that exists naturally, and then well, an awful lot of pharmaceuticals. Yeah. are, you know, naturally <laughs> based. And it's having that hands-on approach to going and feeling things, seeing things, rather than just searching things on the internet. But so it's quite a deadening thing, there. that, isn't yeah. it? Just, you know, constantly looking on a screen. And mm. and I don't know whether it's because I'm so old, um, but I find, you, you know, a screen is very... You feel very removed. Mm. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a sort of... It's a kind of deadening process, in a way, and it doesn't feel real. Um, you know, you can look at a beautiful picture on a screen, and I mean, you know, you're talking to somebody who makes television programmes, I shouldn't be saying this, but you know, it's still that feeling of there is a barrier between you and what you're looking at. And, and, and again, I think kind of actually physically getting outside, you know, it, it, it alerts all your senses. It, you know, you're smelling things, you're feeling things, you know whether it's hot or cold, you, or, or, or it's yeah. raining. You know, you, 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 you know, every sense then is alive. And I think that's what th- then kind of boosts that creativity yeah, sure, yeah. part of your brain. Yeah. Linked to that, um, with all the advancing of technology, is it a worry to you that maybe we are going to become less connected? with the outside world and does that need to continue being restored it definitely needs to be restored i think i mean i do worry about it but actually i i'm sort of feeling and maybe i'm being a little bit over optimistic but i'm sort of feeling that actually the fact that you have asked me that question Mm -hmm. makes me feel quite happy um because people are clearly aware that there is this disconnect mm-hmm. between, you know, um, one form of life, our kind of quite um, uh, urban lives uh, often, yeah. um, uh, and quite internal, insular lives, and the kind of workings of nature. We are definitely more disconnected, without a doubt. And, you know, there are programmes, programmes like the ones I've done, like Spring Watch and that kind of thing, where you hope that it connects people. Um, but, you know, how how much does it really? Do people love watching it on the telly? Because they think, great, I can watch a golden eagle soaring over the Cairngorms <laughs> yeah. without getting there and going and being cold. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, someone's done yeah. all the hard work for me. Yeah. Hooray. Um, but I hope that's not the case. I hope people do actually do watch now. something. Oh, yeah. and, and, you know, I've met... You know, lots of people who've said um, we've been inspired to go for a walk or learn to dive or feed the birds in our garden so that we can see them. But it is something... So, as I say, you make me feel optimistic because the fact that people are seem to be aware that there is a level of disconnect and um, there do seem to be now... Um, more and more people talking about we mustn't we mustn't let this get this disconnection 
get any yeah. bigger. And there are initiatives, um, uh, more and more initiatives, particularly in Wales. I know you guys are in Herefordshire, but you know we'll forgive you. But 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 you know the the curriculum is actually being changed in Wales, um, so that you know things like uh, climate change and um, and you know the the way that the world works, uh, the natural world works, are going to be embedded within the curriculum, which is hugely important. But there's no point in having that curriculum if people don't actually have a physical connection with the outside world. So hopefully that physical connection will come part and parcel with the way that people are, are going to be taught. You've done such a broad variety of programmes over the years. How have you informed yourself about those subjects? Um, well, to be honest, a lot of the time, I um, um, I started out, when I started out in telly, I started as a runner, and which is exactly what you do. You do a lot of running and you make a lot of cups of tea. Um, and then you gradually work your way up, or I work, gradually work my way up. And for me, you know, when I was at school, the thing I loved was writing. I loved writing stories. And also, I'm just very nosy and very curious, but I'm not very academic. Um, I hated taking exams, although I was one of those quite annoying people who could do minimal swatting and just paper pass. Um, so I was never going to go to university. Just wasn't interested in that. But that didn't mean that I didn't want to know stuff. I just didn't want to write an exam in it. It just seemed slightly pointless to me. So when I uh, worked my way up to being a researcher, I suddenly thought, wow, I have got the best job in the world. You know, I was working for television companies. You phone somebody up and say, I'm working for a television company. I'm making a program for the BBC. You know... I hate to say it, but a little vanity thing goes off in their head going, oh, great, am I going to get on the telly? And you go, well, I want to find out about whatever it is you do. And what I've discovered, and, you know, maybe I shouldn't admit to this, but actually not being a big expert in anything can be as valuable as being an expert. And, you know, I've worked with some fantastic experts who sometimes are slightly burdened by the idea of peer pressure, you know, of saying something, particularly saying something in a way that is simple enough for the rest of us mere mortals to understand. They get very nervous about that because they think that their peers are going to say, well, you can't make it that simplistic or you can't... And you're going, well, for me, it's about communication. And I think, well, you know... I'm not brain of Britain, but if I get it, I know that everyone else is going to get it too. So actually what I tend to do, and as I say, this is probably a terrible thing to admit, is not do loads and loads and loads of research before I go and make a programme about something that I don't know about, because a large part of the programme is going to be me talking to experts, contributors of some description, and you know, because I suppose my expertise is in being nosy and curious and I just want to ask them loads of stuff and so that's really what I do, it's just thinking I'm not going to kind of preempt what I might ask on the day because I don't know what the audience needs, you know, I want to be I'm the audience, I'm exactly the same as the person sitting on their sofa Um, I want to be asking the same questions that they're sitting at the telly going I want you to ask, oh she did it, great (laughs) can you ask about, she did that too you know, so that's that's what I hope is that basically I am, you know, the representative of people sitting at home, looking at that screen hoping 
hoping that I am going to do my job properly and ask the questions that they want to ask. So obviously you kind of have this like vast career and you've done so many different things. How do you judge your own fulfilment and success of your kind of whole career? Blimey. Um, well, um, oh, I don't think you ever do. I remember reading something that Stephen Fry said, and I was like, not that I put myself on the same level as Stephen Fry, but even Stephen Fry saying it made me feel better, which is he said, you always feel like a fraud. You always feel like someone is going to come and tap you on the shoulder and go what? Why are you here? You know, what are you doing? And you always do feel like that. You know, I always think, and particularly when I made the move, or well, now that I've made the move from being behind the camera to in front of the camera, which I didn't want, it kind of just happened by mistake, which is, I have to say, a top tip. So anybody who's listening to this who thinks, I really want to be a TV presenter, the best way to be one is to not want to be one, <laughs> turns out. Anyway, so um, when I made that move, I did think, you know, uh, someone is going to come along and go, what on earth do you think you're doing? Why are you standing there? And I go, well, you're right. You know, I get, and I still feel like that pretty much every job I do. And every time, you know, if I get asked to write an article, I love, as I say, I love writing. I loved writing my book. Um, and I should say that, you know, it doesn't just happen. People think, I think people look at people on telly or people who've published books and just think, oh, they're so lucky it just happens. It doesn't. You know, with this book, with Thinking on My Feet, it went to a lot of publishers and a lot of them said no. And only one of them was mad enough to say yes. So, you know, it doesn't always just click into place. And there were lots of programmes that people have said, you know, I've put programme ideas out. I'd love to make a programme about this. I think everyone would like to watch it. And people just go, no, we don't want to make it. Um, so, you know, it's not as everybody thinks that everybody else's life is easy and that everyone's got it sorted and that you know everything, you've got the answers for everything and you've got the perfect boyfriend. It isn't like that. You know, everything is tricky, but actually it's overcoming the trickiness. It's talking to other people. It's getting your mates to help you. That's the thing that then means that you're a success. And I think, for me, the measure of success is if somebody says, I'd really like to work with you again. And then you think, okay, then I did okay. That's really good. To finish off with, do you have a piece of advice for any sort of young adults looking into the future? Um, goodness me. <laughs> have a lot of fun. Life is very short, actually. Um, and we can do amazing things with our lives. So my advice would be, beyond having a lot of fun, which is really important... Never think that you can't do or achieve something because you absolutely can. And if somebody says no or if somebody says that's a rubbish idea or if somebody says, you know, rejects you from a job or rejects something that you've written or says that your idea is just not what they're looking for, don't think it's your problem. It's probably theirs. So just pick yourself up dust down your idea or the thing that you want to do and just jolly well go and do it that's great thank you very much Kate. thank you lovely to talk to you thanks for listening to this episode of reading people we're n white hereford on soundcloud apple Podcasts, and stitcher see your contact details in the bio till next time